right, everybody, welcome to episode number 79 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, how are things down there in the BTCCCCC? Uh, well, you know what? I should mention, because we did, our, our, you know, our first recording was last week. The first time that the BTCRF met the BTCCCC <laughs> yes. with the highest, newest, advanced technologies uh, that you can find on the market, of course. Um, I have a new mic now. I, I, that's something. You may have noticed a little different sound in my voice. Yes, it was unfortunate <laughs> that after we had completed the recording, Chris, you sounded as if you were recording from a tin cup in a cave somewhere. And indeed I am. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, uh, so if you hear, <laughs> and not to mention I'm on a busy road, so if you uh, happen to catch a car or 17 during this recording, uh, just just bear with us. Yes, we are indeed a work in progress here. Our vow to the good people is to constantly attempt to get better. That's not a, a promise that we're going to get better. It's just a vow to say that we will make the attempt there's no guarantees here. There never was. <laughs> so, Chris, I also wanted to mention that I put out a list of upcoming episodes, and we have a bunch of Patreon-requested topics coming up, but we did have to push that back a week due to some unforeseen delays. So we had a call an Audible, and how does that tie in nicely to uh, Sunday's big game, Chris? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. And uh, we had to uh, shift gears and go in a different direction this week. Actually, Chris, this is an episode that we've had on the back burner for quite some time. So I figured now is a better time than ever to release this episode. Now, with all that said, bud, are you ready to go back in time? Oh, no, not again. We've done this before. <laughs> yes, Chris. Or, or in this case, are you ready to go into the future? Back? To the future. <laughs> yes, bud. Tonight, once again, we are tackling one of my favorite topics of all time. And yes, it is a favorite topic of mine, but do I understand any of it? Absolutely not. But nonetheless, it is truly a fascinating topic because tonight, Chris, <laughs> we are going to be discussing the infamous case of Rudolf Fentz. The Times Square Time Traveler. <laughs> now, Chris, <laughs> this is a little bit different than the TikTok Time Traveler case we covered a few months ago. But uh, I would dare to say that this might even be a little more interesting and, believe it or not, a tad bit more believable. I agree. And uh, yes, before with the TikTok Time Traveler, that's more of a parallel universe. This appears to be more of a time-traveling situation. So while the TikTok time-traveler was basically caught in what appeared to be our own current time, just with nobody else visibly there, this guy seems to come from a very long time ago. Now, Chris, the TikTok time-traveler case took place in Valencia, Spain. But, bud, this one takes place a little closer to home for us. That's right, pal. Tonight's story takes place in none other than Times Square, New York City. But more specifically, 1950s New York City, Chris. That's right, bud. We're going all the ways back. 
72 years to be exact. Because in 1950, Chris, that is when our story begins. That is when a 29-year-old man who was seemingly dressed in clothing from a different era, and we're going to get into that. Please, Chris, calm down. This, this gentleman's wardrobe was, to put it lightly, a bit outdated for 1950s New York. So people took notice of that. They also noticed that he seemed to have come out of nowhere. Like nobody had seen him walking around prior. He was just sort of there. And from all accounts, he looked very shocked by his surroundings. He saw the neon lights, all the cars, and it kind of sent him into a panic. And this was all taking place at roughly 11.15 p.m., in Times Square, New York City. So you can imagine the hustle and bustle that's going on, you know, because this is truly the city that never sleeps until about one or two in the morning when everything shuts down. But uh, that's neither here nor there, Chris. So putting all these factors in place, the fact that this guy seems startled, the fact that this guy seemingly appeared out of nowhere, he was dressed in bizarre clothing of a different time, he seemed frazzled, you can kind of get the sense that something was amiss here and boy was it ever because if you're thrown into a world that you don't know more specifically if you're thrown into the middle of new york city and i've never been exposed to that kind of world you can imagine that panic would indeed set in and unfortunately that is exactly what happened to rudolph fence chris this guy was in the middle of traffic in the middle of times square he sees oncoming cars coming at him. He bolts to try to get to the sidewalk. And uh, worst case scenario, Chris, this gentleman is hit by a cab. And unfortunately, we come to find out that he did succumb to those wounds that he sustained in that accident. Right now, Chris, we have a guy that he, he emerges <laughs> from nowhere only to be hit by a car and die. What do you make of this? Well, what can I say? Welcome to New York City. <laughs> I did mention that uh, this gentleman, Rudolf Fence, was dressed in a wardrobe that was not of its time period. It seems that what he was wearing was not kind of in cahoots with what the styles of the 1950s were. But what did old Fence have on that was so mystifying to onlookers? Well, he had what appeared to be a Victorian era clothing. Uh, he had some nice mutton chop sideburns, uh, which well, perhaps you would still see today. But, uh, however, he was sporting a fine, fine top hat. And uh, Are you sure they're not at a Brooklyn brewery? <laughs> you know what? If this was 2022, he might actually fit right in. <laughs> fit right in. But uh, <laughs> indeed, I think he's just in the wrong borough there, Chris. But uh, unfortunately, we said that he was hit by this car and... You know, that top hat that he wore comes into play, Chris, because uh, it seems that when he was hit by the automobile, that thing went flying. Yes, it did. Obviously, a death in the middle of Times Square is going gonna, is gonna to turn heads, but the problem that, that the NYPD finds themselves in is when Captain Hubert V. Rim uh, of the Missing Persons Department basically tries to identify who this man is. Of course, with any death, you need to identify the person, notify a family, etc. And he can't figure it out. Uh, he sees that, that the man has uh, what appears to be an address for Fifth Avenue. Okay, that makes sense. New York City, Fifth Avenue. 
Right, right. So you you would think perhaps, uh, all right, the man was a local man. Problem is, the address that he had was that of a business in, in on Fifth Avenue at the time. So that makes no sense. I mean, sometimes businesses have apartment buildings above them. I don't know about in the 50s as much, but either way, it didn't make sense to them. In addition to that weird little tidbit of uh, evidence that's not making sense, Chris, they found quite a bit of other interesting clues on uh, old Fenty's person. And the clues that they found, Chris, kind of coincided perfectly with the Victorian-era clothing that Rudolph Fence was wearing. And I have a list of those items here in no particular order, mind you. But uh, let's go through some of them and see if we can unravel the layers of this onion and find out what the hell is going on here. As you already mentioned, Fence had business cards on there with his name and address on them, but the address and business associated with that address on Fifth Avenue was no more. So that was one clue that we can just toss aside. That makes no sense. Secondly, they find a copper token, Chris, for a beer worth five cents. Even crazier, the copper token was for a beer of a saloon which was unknown to any of the older residents in the area. So at this point in time, obviously the saloon's not there, so the police went and investigated older residents of the city to see if they could remember a place like that. They went back in the archives. They found nothing within the past few decades where they could kind of match up the name of the saloon to any business that was in the area. That's the second clue that doesn't really add up. But now, Chris, these things start to get a little crazier. Bud? Next, they find a bill for the care of a horse and the washing of a carriage at a livery stable on Lexington Avenue. That was not there, dude. Okay, so let's put the time frame together. 1950s, New York City. Yes, they still did have the horse and buggy rides, and I guess they probably did have some stables around somewhere within the city, but for this particular bill that he was holding onto, it was dated in the 1870s. And furthermore, it was for a stable that was supposedly located on Lexington Avenue. But, as you can guess, that stable did not exist. So, things are already getting crazy, Chris. Nothing here that Rudolph Fentz has on his person. I love that phrase, on his person. Anyway, nothing he has here is making any sense. But there are two more items that I should mention. He had about $70 in old world money. This was just old currency that wasn't used anymore. In addition to that, he also had a letter sent to that address that you mentioned on his business card from someone in Philadelphia in 1876. Now, putting all this together, Chris, we're going to put it in a salad bowl and mix it up nice. Now, here's the seasoning on top here, bud. All those items that we listed, they were in seemingly pristine condition as if they were newly acquired so you know we're looking back on this this is nearly 70 years later you would think there'd be some wear and tear on a letter on banknotes on receipts but no 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 this stuff all looked brand new so bud right now we have a guy who appeared out of nowhere wearing victorian era clothing with the same mutton chops that you sport today a top hat and a list of dated items that all kind of point to the fact that 
old Rudolph fence here was not from this time era. Chris, what do you make of this? This guy's like a walking museum. I mean, he's got uh, all these these old artifacts on him that are, mind you, in mint condition. You know, I'm, I mean, fascinating stuff. I mean, if it for the fact that this guy just got hit by a car and killed, uh, obviously a bit tragic, but this is like, well, got one of those cases where you're like, wow, like, this is super intriguing. I, mean, I have to dig further. We have to find out who this person is. And obviously, racing through your mind would be, you know, all right, is this some sort of a joke? Maybe he's a historian and he liked this era, for instance, and, and just had these things on him. But it really doesn't quite add up in the end because all the documents on him are nothing from the 1950s. They're all from the 1870s or 1800s. So they have to dig deeper. Captain Rim from the missing persons department that I mentioned earlier, continuing this investigation, he is unable to find anyone by the name Rudolph Fence. His fingerprints are not in any database. They're not just not recorded anywhere. And he's not been reported missing at all. So now he has to start digging deep and he's going into archives now. He finds the name Rudolph Fence Jr. But it's in a telephone book from 1939. Well, that's interesting. I mean, this guy's name is Rudolph Fence. Uh, Rudolph Fence Jr. Sure, why not? And, yeah, maybe we're just leaving off the JR. What can I tell you? Yeah, yeah not everyone likes that. Captain Rim starts speaking to some residents in the apartment building where this address for uh, Rudolph Fence Jr. was. They knew of him and they described him in a man who was, you know, about 60 uh, and he worked nearby. But after his retirement, though, he had moved. Uh, to somewhere that, that nobody knew of in 1940. So Rim contacts the bank and finds out that Fence had actually died five years earlier, 1945, but his widow was still alive. However, she lived in Florida. So l- let me just break this down for a second, Chris. They have the same name, but the date of death does not match up. We're off by about five years, give or take. Right, and back to the junior point, Rudolf Fence, who has just been deceased, uh, happened to die after Rudolf Fence Jr. Uh, interesting. But perhaps this, again, was some sort of error. But uh, again, even if the, the name uh, was, was an error, we're talking about a different person entirely. Now, of course, there's plenty of people in the world with the same name. So perhaps this is just somebody who had the same name or somebody in the same family. Obviously not Rudolph Fence who just died. So basically I'm looking at this and uh, old detective Remy here. He must be scratching his head. He must be completely on a fence about this. Well, here's what Fence... Whoa, 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 Chris, Chris, I said he must be completely on a fence about this. <laughs> wow. That went right <laughs> over my head and uh, I'm almost glad it did. <laughs> So, all right, we have two dead Rudolph fences. They seemingly died around the same time period. They were both in New York City at one point or another. One was a junior, one wasn't. All right, you know, we're starting to be able to tie a couple things in and get a couple clues here and there. But as of right now, there's no big breaks in this case. Oh, but there is. Holy shit, what do you got for us, Chris? So now with Rim finding the widow of Rudolph Fence Jr., 
he contacts her, and what he finds out is jaw-dropping. And it'll give you goosebumps. Yes, this is pretty crazy. She had said that her husband's father had disappeared in 1876. Okay. At the age of 29 years old. Which would be roughly the same age as the Rudolph fence that was hit by the car in Times Square. Am I right? Homeowner boy. (laughs) You are correct. And uh, furthermore, he was never found again. He'd left the house one evening and he just never returned. (laughs) So what happened? We, we know that this man that was struck and killed by a cab in 1950 New York City was named Rudolf Fence. He has documentation on him that are from the 1870s. What's going on here? Is this some sort of a joke? Is someone put, pulling a prank here? So now, Chris, we got the 400-pound gorilla in the room. We can't avoid this any longer. It's staring right at us, bud. Do we have a case of time travel on our hands? And the reason I say that is because all... Signs are leading us to believe that Rudolph Fence, the gentleman that was struck by the car in Times Square in 1950, is indeed the father of Rudolph Fence Jr., who once lived in New York City and died in 1945, dying before the Rudolph Fence who was hit by the car. We have (laughs) the son dying at an older age than the father, but before father if that makes sense chris so so the (laughs) i'm getting confused here this is one for the ages (laughs) so the ages are indeed matching up so chris i have never heard anything like this in my life have you no in the movie theaters yeah well it's funny you say that pal because maybe all that we've talked about up until now is not exactly as it seems because uh, there are quite a few bit of skeptics involved in this case. And <laughs> for good reason, Chris. Because this story has been around for quite some time. Obviously, it started in the 50s because that's when this gentleman passed away. If he did indeed happen. Because there do not seem to be many records of that accident taking place in Times Square. As it was said to have happened. But... That's neither here nor there, you know, as the years go on, you know, you lose records and maybe the database wasn't up to par. Of course, it wasn't up to par as to what it is today. So you could kind of believe that those records might have been lost somewhere along the way. But anyway, this story was told throughout the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. And as stories go on, they they tend to change, but not here. This story remained relatively untouched, almost as if. It was historical fact. Now, here comes the interesting part, Chris, and uh, I don't mean to burst your bubble, and this pendulum is going to sway back and forth a number of times to this story, Chris, but I have to burst your bubble at this point. We're going to try to blow it back up, right, bud? I promise you. It seems that there was an excerpt from a short story entitled, I'm Scared, by science fiction writer Jack Finney. And apparently this guy wrote uh, the novel The Body Snatchers, Chris. Did you ever hear that? Oh, that does sound familiar. Yeah, so this guy, Jack Finney, wrote that book, The Body Snatchers. And he's also known as the person who scribed the tale, I'm Scared. 
That's right, Chris. Ulf Fenny here was responsible for penning this story, or a story that was fairly similar to the uh, time travel story that we just told. Do you have any idea the name of the main character of Ulf Finney's short story? I'm scared. Hold on to your top hat, bud. <laughs> the main character's name is Rudolph Fence. Well, well, well. So, one thing leads to another. From this short story, it lends itself to becoming an urban legend. And it's told as if it's true. So, Chris, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this story. I'm scared. And you tell me if... You can draw any parallels, okay? The story tells of a 19th century looking man possessing items of that period who was found confused <laughs> in the middle of Times Square in the 1950s before being hit by a car and killed, suggesting that he had perhaps involuntarily time traveled about a century forward. Chris, can you draw? Any parallels? <laughs> Sounds exactly like it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So right now we have a major crack in the foundation of this story, Chris. From everything we've spewed in the beginning of the show to this, this great, fascinating story about possible time travel. Now to finding out that this plays out identical to a short story written by a famous author. But Chris... Like I told you, I didn't want to pop your balloon, although I did. Now I'm going to put a little piece of tape on it. We're going to blow it back up, pal, because there's a little bit of a twist here. No copies of the story have ever been found. And unfortunately, old Finney passed away before he could be questioned about it. So we have what's deemed to be an urban legend about time travel. Then people kind of counteract that by saying no it's just an urban legend and here's the story to prove where they got the idea from now with the pendulum swings back to say we have no actual copies of this story chris so right now everything's up in the air is this real or is it not this gets a little more interesting and oddly enough it's bringing us into the 21st century but something interesting happened in 2007 you want to tell us what happened? <laughs> sure. And so in 2007... I say, you want to tell us what happened? I, I'm, I'm trying to tell it. Oh, continue, Chris. Lost, I'm sorry. Lost your one for me. <laughs> in 2007, a researcher that was working for the then Berlin News Archive found a newspaper story from April of 1951. Okay. And... He reports the story almost exactly as it's reported today. It was printed approximately five months before. So what he found was that this newspaper archive regarding Rudolph Fence was found five months before the short story had supposedly existed. What's even stranger is that a number of researchers have claimed to have found evidence of the real Rudolph Fence and proof that he did indeed disappear at the age of 29 
1876. Now, is this should... fucking guy real or what, dude? I, I, my mind is blown. I, at first, I believed it. Then I think Old Finney swung me to the other side and I thought this was bullshit and urban legend. And now I'm swinging back to believing. Oh, whoa, 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 we don't. I don't want to say that just yet. We're going to get into what we think in just a bit. Maybe I just traveled in time there myself, Chris. But we should mention that all these pieces of evidence that are coming into the spotlight, none of it has been verified from what the Berlin News Archives is saying they found to what people are claiming about the origins of Finney's short story. I'm scared. So, Chris, I mean, looking at all this, and I know how improbable it sounds. I didn't say impossible. I said improbable. Bud, with everything we have presented tonight, I say, Chris, with everything we have presented tonight, what says you? Rudolph Fence. Time traveler or a fictional character? Well, I got to tell you, I'm on the fence about it. <laughs> no, no, come on. <laughs> Not again, please. Well, it's getting late, Chris. Uh, no one's in the mood. <laughs> Look, it's a difficult situation due to the age of the story. So if I don't see hard facts in front of me, documentation, surefire evidence, I'm going to lean towards... I, I don't believe it happened. Now, the fact that there is a story claiming to be exactly that of what actually happened, and it, and it being a, a science fiction story, not to mention we're also talking about time travel here. So, do I believe in time travel? I can't say that I do. I don't even know how one would go about doing that. But, that does not mean it does not exist. Hmm. Chris, uh... <laughs> what says ye? In all honesty, it sounds like uh, you're prepping for a career in politics, bud, because <laughs> we didn't get a definitive answer out of you, Chris. Yes or no? Is, is, is fucking fence real or not? Yes or no? <laughs> no. 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 Oh, no, not real. God damn it, Chris. What do you think? Chris, uh, you, you put me in a hard spot here. I didn't see this question coming. Oh, we I, ask it every show. I, I, I gotta... Bud, I, I, I'm disagreeing with you tonight. I'm gonna say it. I do believe that Rudolf Fence did travel through time, and I don't know if he found a wormhole that led him from one universe to another. I mean, I don't know what happened here, and it very well could be uh, just an urban legend, but it ties together very nicely. It's probably just a piece of me that wants to believe in time travel, and I should mention, Chris, that... There are scientists who say that time travel is indeed possible, but not in the way that we think. And um, <laughs> I did read a couple articles on it, but uh, I'm not very scientific and I don't remember much of what I read. But however, they did say that there is a possibility of time travel. So with that in my back pocket, Chris, and the way this whole story plays out and the supposed evidence found from the boys at the Berlin News Archive... You know, I would indeed like to see that evidence, but nonetheless, I'm, I'm going to take their word for it. Therefore, Chris, I am going to say that Rudolph Fence is indeed a time traveler. All right. I mean, yeah, sure, time travel exists. You know, if I go from New York to California, I'm traveling through three time zones. 
There's time travel right there. Well, I <laughs> see with time travel, I, I would imagine that you can go forward. I, I couldn't imagine being able to go backwards. You know what I'm saying? Could you go back in time or can you just move forward in time? So I, I don't know, man. I just thought this was a really interesting story and it was uh, a fun one to look into. And, you know, nonetheless, I mean, if this was indeed a story by Jack Finney, I mean, God bless him. That's a, that's a great concept for a, a story and even a better concept <laughs> for a realistic time travel tale. So, Chris, let's get the hell out of here because I have to be in 1950s New York City in about five minutes and I want to get this done. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com or you can get in touch with Chris on Facebook at the Between the Cracks Podcast because I'm fucking, I, I'm off again, man. I, I'm the, I felt myself getting fiery and pissed off over everything I was seeing. So I just need a break again. And I think it's good for my mental health. You know, I'll come back in a few weeks, but as of right now, I need a little break. So Chris is there. If you want to get in touch with him, you know, Chris has a much more calm demeanor than I do. He can handle this nonsense and I can't. Anyway, I'll be on Instagram. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me there, the Between the Cracks podcast. If you guys want to join a fabulous Patreon community that I was speaking so highly of before, please feel free to do that. And also, Chris, the uh, the Teespring shop we got there, the t-shirts, the mugs, and all the other shit. I'll put that in the links to the show notes as well. And before we go, bud, let's just give credit where credit is due. Tonight's reference materials were by none other than CoolInterestingStuff.com. The Strange Case of Rudolph Fence. And I'm not seeing a name here, so uh, uh, I, I don't know who you are, but uh, you did a great job. And in addition to that, Chris, we used The Strange Case of Time Traveler Rudolph Fence by David Mickelson. And this was actually written not too long ago, November 7th of 2019, and that was on Snopes.com. Way to go, David. I like that. And last but not least, Chris, I was kicking around on Wikipedia. What the hell can I tell you? I'm not talking shit about Wikipedia like everybody else does. I'm done with that. No, we got a rep wiki. That's our Seriously, that's where we get material from. Yeah, who gives a shit? Anyway, Chris, <laughs> you can see that my mood is souring. But uh, with all that said, what do you say we wish the fine, fine people out in podcast land the fondest? Oh. A farewell.